All right, good morning or good afternoon, everybody. Today is Thursday, April 15th, 2021. And, you know, I just want to say the reason why there was no news episode yesterday was because I looked at the news, folks, and it was all just COVID, COVID, COVID. So I don't necessarily believe in, in putting things out there or putting episodes out there just to make an episode, just to do an episode. You know what I mean? So um, I know some of you messaged me directly and said, you know, Dave, we look forward to the morning episode news and stuff. But look, if if there's nothing new that we didn't already cover the day before, you know what I mean? I'm not just going to make things up or try to look for a story where there isn't one. You know what I mean? But this time around, we have a few things to talk about that has developed in the last 24 hours. So Let's get into it. So first off, uh, Bernie Madoff died. He's the guy who ran that massive Ponzi scheme. And ironically enough, the only way or the only yeah, the only way he got caught was actually his uh, his two sons uh, wore a wire when they met with him one time where they basically made him confess to this Ponzi scheme. Now, we could argue that even if they didn't wear a wire, he was going to get caught anyways. But anyways, the, I think he had a 150 year life sentence, something like this. But he, he screwed a lot of people out of money. Basically, he just it's a Ponzi scheme. He pocketed the cash and then kept trying to, you know, make it appear on the books like there was a return in investment when, again, see, the thing is, is maybe it's more complicated than what my understanding of it. But do these guys think they're really going to get away with something like that? I mean, let's put ourselves in the minds of a criminal for a second or a, a white collar criminal, you know, doing fraud and, you know, very you know, cyber, high tech, financial kind of stuff, even if that wasn't what Madoff was doing still, like, what what do you think you can just make that last forever? I mean, there was a woman, an Indian woman, I forgot her name, I believe, and she made a bunch of uh, multimillionaires and billionaires invest in a particular cryptocurrency that she founded or whatever. I think some of you know who, who I'm talking about. And she ran off with like a, a handful of a billion dollars, something like five or 10 billion, something like that. And um, yeah, I mean... I'm not trying to sound like a, a criminal here, but like, let's be real here, folks. If you're going to do something like this, like a Ponzi scheme, you better have an out plan, you know, and I'm not trying to encourage that, but let's, that's just the way the world works. If someone's going to do something like that, they better have a way out. Not none of this BS, you know, pre pretending like you always have to fill the books to look like your investors w are making returns. Because even then, what if your investors say, I want my money, you know, I want to cash out. What do you do then? So maybe I'm oversimplifying, maybe I, I don't fully understand exactly what Bernie Madoff did, but it didn't exactly seem like anything super complicated, uh, you know, relative to other Wall Street schemes, if you will. Now, the next thing is that Denmark just banned AstraZeneca and uh, Johnson & Johnson is also on pause in the US allegedly. Now, Okay, this is when it gets kind of ironic and interesting. The question then becomes, what is this? Assuming the virus is real, let's just in a hypothetical world because of YouTube and things like that, let's assume it's real. How much How much of it do politics factor in? And the reason why I say this is because, for example, and I know this has nothing to do with the virus, but when you look at some of these major global committees, you know, the WHO or, you know, the, what's that committee? The, the, the nuclear committee that oversees, uh, you know, different uh, nuclear weapons and things like that. They have been... Uh, admittedly changing the narrative in some cases just because it didn't look good on you know p countries in the west or european countries and it made countries like russia or china look good it's not about flipping the narrative it's supposed to be if you're part of you know if you're on the board of one of these committees you would like to think that you know it's supposed to be completely neutral but we all know that's not the case right so again the reason why i bring this up is because for for example in canada where i live 
Joe Biden sent Canada, I think, about one and a half or t- to two million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine. So the, the biggest Canadian health officials came out yesterday and said, don't worry about AstraZeneca. It's totally fine. And But here's the thing. This is what really gets me going. And th- this is why I brought up the example of the, the nuclear you know commissions or like the WHO and what have you around the world. Because it's not always about reporting the unbiased truth. It rarely ever is. It's about which narrative is it going to lean to. And especially when you're dealing with people's health. If you apply that in this particular case, that's scary. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because in Canada, we only have basically we have a little bit of, you know, Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson. But the vast majority of our vaccines are AstraZeneca from Biden. Biden sent it to us. Now, of course, the Canadian health ministers are going to say, yeah, don't worry. AstraZeneca is totally fine because it's basically the only doses we have, basically, from my understanding. With that being said, too. It's also kind of scary because they also said, these Canadian health uh, ministers yesterday said, the risks still are worth it because the, no, they said, the reward outweighs the risk. Excuse me. Yeah, that's what they said. So you're admitting there's a risk. You see what I'm saying here? See how they play the words like that? So anyways, it's those kind of little things we, we got to look for, right? Uh, the next thing is that the, the police officer who killed Dante Wright is charged with second degree manslaughter. Apparently, she was the head of the local police union, this woman there, and I do have to say, look, if an officer made a mistake, apparently she's been on the, she's a veteran of 20 years or 25 years, people make mistakes. With that being said, as an officer, you have to understand, from my understanding, she yelled taser, but then she pulled out her gun, you know, there's still lots to look into, I'm not trying to get into this because it generally, generally leads to culture wars, this is a tough one though, folks, I have to say, doesn't matter about color about who the cop, if the cop was white or black, or if the victim was white or black, or, you know, Asian, whatever, doesn't matter. The the point I'm trying to make is that if it's truly a mistake, and this cop, if you look at her past, has a very good record, then that should be taken into account, in my humble opinion. With that being said, if she truly did, part of my English, fuck up big time, and she yelled taser, and then reached for her gun intentionally, it's a very different story, Okay. So it, it, it really depends, right? The next thing is that an MSNBC analyst said that getting the COVID shot felt like a wave of euphoria. I'm not, I'm not even going to touch that, like that, whatever. Um, former batch, um, by the way, I'm just getting over the, all the BS stuff before I go on the bigger stuff because I have a few um, strongly worded opinions about some things here. Um, the next thing is that former Bachelor star Colton Underwood came out as gay. Like this is the, this is the stuff I was reading about yesterday that I said, I'm going to do an episode on this. You see what I'm saying? Um, so what? So what? What's wrong? I got nothing wrong with... I have no problem with gay people. What's the problem? What's the big deal? Oh, because he was a bachelor. Pe- people, you know, they adjust their sexual preferences all the time. So what? It Whatever you do in the bedroom is not my concern. What's the big deal? Right? Again, these are tabloids doing it for clicks and stuff, but whatever. Um, and th- th- see, this is also the other problem, too. Those you three pyramid-shaped UFOs above that, that Navy ship there... That's not a big deal, but this guy coming out as gay, as gay is. Do you, do you see why I think aliens at the same time won't still are like, ah, we got to hold off a bit in terms of like mass public interaction with humans? Like th- this is what I'm saying too. So anyways, um, the next thing is that Indian hospitals are allegedly seeing a chaotic surge in patients that are being admitted uh, because of COVID and the different variants. Look, again, if people are genuinely getting sick, it's a terrible thing. The question then becomes how much of this narrative is being pushed for the COVID agenda and how much of it is a different type of sickness. Again, I don't know the facts. I wasn't there myself. I'm just going off the reporting. That's why I say allegedly, right? Now, 
the next thing, this is when it's going to get interesting, is that um, the uh, U.S. imposed new sanctions on Russia and expelled Russian diplomats. I want to see what these sanctions do because, again, I, I'm, I guarantee without a shadow of a doubt, Putin saw this coming. He knew, even if it was a few years ago, eventually there was going to be repercussions. Again, it, like everything in life, there's, there's moves and then there's counter moves, right? So it's a chess game. It's a chess game. Biden now has countered, at least on a public level, who knows what's going on on the intelligence side, right? So it, it, we have to factor that in. A lot of people don't factor in the intelligence angle. But anyways, the next thing is that France has told its citizens to leave Pakistan due to serious threats. Again, it's unfortunate to see instability around the world. It's unfortunate to see, you know, when there's um, violence, riots, protests, because it's kind of it's kind of scary, you know, in the sense that like, not scary in the sense not so much about the actual violence itself. I mean, don't get me wrong, that's terrible too. But in terms of seeing how a society can go from being civil within a handful of years to just flipping, I mean, again, you take a look at Venezuela, for example. I know that might not be the best example because it's been the the Venezuelan example has been stigmatized um, by the left, generally saying, oh, only right wingers use Venezuela as an example. Uh, not really. I mean, Venezuela was a beautiful country economically. And now look, I mean, and I know people that are Venezuelan and they, they, they tell me too. they say, Dave, what are we going to do here in Venezuela? You know, we have to leave. So anyways, uh, the next thing is that um, the U.S. canceled their warship deployment to the Black Sea, according to Turkish officials. This is interesting. This is interesting because... I'm curious to see the, the big strategic play here more than anything else because that's what it really comes down to. And I don't think we'll ever fully know, I mean, as regular citizens, uh, even global citizens around the world, what the real play is here. But I'm, I'm curious to see what will happen there uh, because this is certainly something to, to definitely speculate on. And, uh, and again, what, you know, what's going on with Turkey and all that, it's a lot of tensions going on there, right? Things are Tensions are high there. The next thing is that there was a COVID forgery ring uncovered in Mozambique. Basically, there was a group of, of gang members in Mozambique allegedly producing fake, you know, um, uh, certificates saying, you know, you tested negative so you could travel and this and that. Look, we, I, I've been saying it. Many of you have been saying it. This is only going to, you know, add for an opportunity to exploit the situation over and over. Especially with vaccine passports, I would dare to argue if vaccine passports become mandatory in enough countries, right? You're going to have people who have never, you know, bought drugs in their lives. They have never bought, done anything illegal in their lives. You're going to force them to think, holy crap, like the ones that don't want to take the vaccine. You're going to force them to, to consider having to go out on the black market and purchase these things. And again, there's never a perfect answer to everything in life. And I understand that. But this, in my humble opinion, is not is not the right uh, not the right direction by any stretch of the metric. Um, the next thing is that Biden, okay, Biden withdrew, um, oh, sorry, he announced that the, uh, the troops in Afghanistan will be withdrawn on September 11th um, instead of the May 1st date that Trump had agreed with on the Taliban. Now, the Taliban recently made a statement, I believe, overnight saying that if U.S. troops are not gone by May 1st, they'll consider them as hostile enemies or if they see them or something like this. But Okay, here's the thing about this. This is one of the things I was looking forward to. Then we'll get to the CNN thing because that's pretty big. So, uh, and, and the Derek Chauvin thing. But, okay. With the withdrawal, if Biden... Okay, the problem I have with this... 
is that Biden, I don't know if he's doing this for strategic military purposes in terms of pushing the withdrawal from May 1st to September 11th from all U.S. troops in Afghanistan. The other problem is, does anybody really know what goes on in a lot of these countries in the Middle East on September 11th? to U.S. troops, U.S. diplomats, troops get attacked. Like Anyone remember what happened in Benghazi? I think removing troops on September 11th, now apparently it has something to do with like some military woman's rights things here. It's not even about, in my humble opinion, it's not about that. Why are troops staying there longer than they need to? Now, if we play devil's advocate, if there if there is a legitimate milita- militaristic reason for them to have to stay there from you know May 1st to September 11th, if they need, if the general said, listen, we need a little more time, very understandable. I get that, but I, I don't. I have yet to see the Biden administration say that. Not to, not that they would blame the generals, but just to say, listen, you know, the generals told us or told the you know Biden himself that you know, Mr. President, we need a little more time to get out of there uh, appropriately and strategically. I I have yet to read anything about that. So why the date got pushed, I I don't know. I mean, I understand logistics and and stuff. It's it's a big thing. You know, they've been there for about twenty years, and I understand that. But again, unless we're missing something here, unless the military genuinely needs more time, if that's not the case, why on September eleventh? I mean, it would it, technically speaking, it's you know pretty would be nice and fancy for us in the West. Would look good, you know, coming back on the on the twenty year anniversary. Da, da da da. Everything looks nice, you know. But what about over there in the Middle East? The people who the soldiers that were protecting before, the innocent people that live there, that now again, I. I have to say, I generally, in my humble opinion, tend to agree with Trump on this, um, which he said five, six years ago. They never should have gone in, but once they went in, they never should have got out the way they did. You know, I I do think he raises a pretty decent point, unless I'm totally missing something out of context here. With that being said, though, again, what happened on Benghazi on September 11th was terrible. Um, those type of, types of things happen all the time. Uh, you know, these super extremist terrorists go nuts on September 11th in the Middle East every single year because of the whole death to America thing. I don't understand how this could how this could be good. Honestly, I don't understand. So the next thing, which I'm surprised I don't even need to look at my phone at, I kind of have memorized, is that Derek Chauvin was asked to plead the fifth. Uh, not plead. He was asked to testify and then he pled the fifth. Excuse me. Yeah, no shit. I mean, what do you, what do you th- like? Look, no matter how much the defense props up, you know, certain analysts and you know this and that, saying, "Oh well, the knee on the neck and this." And look, he he put the knee on the neck. The the, the head of the chief, chief of police said, um, he goes, "This is not protocol." Uh, they had an MMA person come on the stand saying, like, you know, like it's too much. Especially he pleads the fifth. Come on. You know what I mean? Like, I understand there are legitimate cases in certain courtrooms where the Fifth Amendment may, in fact, be, you know, uh, actually harnessed in an appropriate way. And again, we can argue about what's, you know, the appropriate way to use the Fifth Amendment. But in this case, I mean, it's basically saying I got nothing to say, Your Honor. That's basically, you know what I mean? Without incriminating himself, too. That's the other thing. So, look, I think both sides, Republican, Democrat, I think we can all agree the knee on the neck was... um, was a tragedy for that. Like, I mean, there's nothing, unless I'm missing something, and I'd, I'd very happily have my my perspective changed if I'm missing something, but I have yet to see what, what, what what's being missed, right? So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But anyways, the next thing, or the final thing rather, is that CNN, one of their technical directors, the guy who basically works the cameras and stuff like that, he sort of has an input on what gets put on the screen and stuff like that. 
he through project veritas and for those who don't know project veritas is an independent journalism uh, company or group where they go out and they basically they literally try to find the truth like they're literally like just independent reporters but here's the thing they do it very smartly they wear body cams and so in this case here like cams that can body cameras that cannot be seen and what have you in this case here they got one of their reporters who was a woman to go on a tinder date with someone by the name of charlie chester who's a cnn technical director there and she went on uh, four dates with him and she basically got him to admit to a bunch of stuff she wore a body cam a nano body cam and some of the things he said very similar to what barry weiss said in the new york times last year if any of you remember that barry weiss used to work for the new york times uh, on the in the opinion section and she quit the new york times because she said twitter has basically become the editor-in-chief of the new york times and there were certain stories she wanted to write that basically the editor-in-chief and others at the new york times would tell her they wouldn't say don't write it but they would say things like oh are you sure you want to write that are you sure? And folks, this is what we talk about in the afternoon episodes about, you know, keeping things quiet. This is one of the the, the branches of that secrecy, so to speak. It kind of becomes implication like, well, you know, are you sure you're going to you're going to write this? I mean, ah, you know, you're doing good this year. Like, you know, your people like your articles. I don't think this is something we should put up there like that kind of stuff. But the pressure gets pushed on hard enough so that they end up having to abide by this pressure. Now, I bring this up because this is what Charlie Chester, the, one of the CNN technical directors, said to this woman on his, you know, quote unquote date. I say that with air quotes for those listening on audio. And he basically some of the stuff he said was not taken. Actually, everything he said was not taken out of context. But some of the stuff he said was pretty damning in the sense that he goes, for example, Jeff Zucker, the CEO of, of CNN, the guy who runs it would have a red telephone and it would call down to the studio and he would say okay you know fear is what sells we got to put the the covid death numbers up sometimes exaggerate the covid death numbers i kid you not because charlie chester himself said i would even sit there and say to myself do we really have to put these numbers up where do we get these numbers from charlie chester also admitted to this girl and i i mean we can you can look this up very easily it's all over the news at this point charlie chester also admitted he goes um he, he said, basically, there's no such thing as unbiased news. He said that when they made up the whole story of Trump's health issues, he goes, we got medical doctors, analysts to come on. And he goes, we were just, he literally said we were just throwing shit at the wall just to see if it sticks. He said that. Those are his words. Here's the thing, the problem that I have. Now, immediately, people will say, well, Fox News does this all the time. Fox News does do that, but the difference is this, folks, in reality. Everyone kind of knows when... F Here's the thing. No media company can ever be truly unbiased. We understand that. We got to look at the donors who's donating to them. We got to look at many different things. But Fox News leans conservative. Everyone knows that. But the thing I have to say about Fox News is that at least you know going in, it's taking a conservative approach, contrary to the rest of the media right the problem i have with cnn is they claim to be unbiased and they try to present themselves as these holier than thou people now here's the other thing too the problem i have again as well is that you know for example the thing with andrew cuomo not being allowed to go on his brother chris chris cuomo show because he's being investigated and stuff like that so when andrew cuomo was on chris cuomo show last year to promote his book and everything was nice he had him on many times this and that i've mentioned this before if you bring them on during the good times, you got to bring them on during the bad times. Now, the argument is, well, okay, they're, they're brothers. It's a conflict of interest during a DOJ investigation. Fine, because the connection is too direct. You know what then? Get Don Lemon to interview Andrew Cuomo. You see what I'm saying here? If, if Chris Cuomo said, don't you have other hosts? 
And that's another thing. Charlie Chester also admitted, he goes, the people we put in front of the camera, the hosts, you know, Wolf Blitzer, Jake Tapper, uh, Anderson Cooper, you name it. They're usually people that comply, Charlie Chester said, with the implications of the narrative. And what, what he meant by implications of the narrative was basically what I just said about the, the New York Times example. They kind of hint, hint, nudge, nudge. And during breaks, like commercial breaks, I'm not even kidding, these hosts, I'm not going to get specific because I don't have the name, so I'm not going to accuse a specific CNN host, but they would even check their phone, on. Tw- they would check their Twitter to see how people were replying to them, and they would change their opinion after the commercial break or lean it in another direction based on what people were tweeting the most and based on the people's opinions. This is the problem. Twitter has become the indirect uh, editor-in-chief for a lot of society. And this is the issue, again, when we talk about the technologies moving faster than the culture, and that becomes a big issue, and it becomes a dangerous issue. And again, the whole thing with CNN is that, look, these companies, these corporations do it all the time. But it's like, you know it's i was having this conversation with someone in my family yesterday and they didn't exactly agree with my perspective and i respect that but i I said it's like this i said um i said if someone gave me if someone came to me personally and said dave here's ten thousand dollars to do an episode about gray aliens for example right um but you got to say something about gray aliens that you know is you can't really back up you don't really have any evidence to support it but we want you to say it anyways if i'm money hungry or if I'm in, in in desperate for money, I'm gonna take it. And so I tried to use that example with a family member, and I, I tried to say, okay, scale it down. So now let's scale. That's on a scale down level, right? Let's scale it up. If the the Clinton Foundation donates, you know, five million dollars to CNN, CNN's not gonna lean in their direction a little bit. Come on. You, you see what I'm saying here? And what I mean by that is this: at least with Fox News, you know that you know they their donors are mainly Republican. We know that. CNN, MSNBC, well, MSNBC, everyone kind of knows is pretty far left, but pretty decently left. But CNN, I mean, that's the thing. They pretend to play it smack down the middle. And that's the problem that I have. So, again, and then, you know, my family member replied with, well, CNN's not that money hungry. Oh, come on, you know. You know what I'm saying here, folks? And the reason why I could say this stuff is because, again, I I really appreciate it and and actually I'm proud and extremely grateful that the show is supported truly by the audience because we can now say these things. I don't have, you know, the show doesn't have these kind of donations coming in and that's the beautiful thing because first off, I wouldn't accept it, but secondly, we don't need it. You see what I'm saying? Because if it's if it's all about money, then the, the, the show or any network will take a direction that's just going to go one-sided. But again, that's the beautiful thing about about uh, about all of this. So um, that's about it. Uh, please forgive me for this little rant, but I think it's important that we um, that we that we go through this. So again, thank you all so much for watching and listening, and we'll catch all of you tomorrow. Cheers.